The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at my. Bookie, it's not too late, guys. Go ahead today and sign up for that new account at MyBookie if you have not already done so. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code UGA, and yes, you will get that 50% bonus on top of your first deposit. So jump in on that while you still can. But I am your host, Tyler, and I am back today with our weekly UGA Hoops Report. And we've got a lot to cover today, guys. Last night, whoo! My heart might or might not have stopped there momentarily at the end of the game as that final shot from LSU was circling the rim and thankfully, mercifully, rimmed out, preserving the 68-66 win over LSU. We will get to that game. A lot of thoughts on that game was there last night. But first, I do want to go all the way back to Saturday and open with a quick recap of the game in Lexington against a top 10 Kentucky Wildcats team. You guys know how that went down. We lost that game. We did not win it. I told you guys last week that I didn't think we were going to win it. Anything's possible in college basketball, but it was highly unlikely that we were going to go into Lexington and beat what I still believe, despite the fact that the Wildcats lost at South Carolina earlier this week, I still believe they are the most talented team in the country. Now, most talented does not always equate to best because you have a lot of young players on that Kentucky squad who are still trying to figure out how to play college basketball. But if you're just going on a pure talent standpoint, there is not one single team in America that is as talented and deep with quality talent, elite talent, the way that Kentucky is. And if you watched that game, I'm sure most of you did, those of you who watched that game, You know what I'm talking about. You saw from the jump how talented that team is, guys. I mean, it's unbelievable the talent that John Calipari has put together there in Lexington this year. After a couple of down years by their standards, they are back. They kind of, you know, last last couple of years, he was kind of dabbling in the transfer portal, trying to get a little older, trying to get some guys that are a little more proven. Didn't really work out the way they wanted it to, so he said, screw it, man. I'm going back to just getting the top recruiting class in the country, and we're just going to win with talent. And that's what they're doing right now. So after we beat South Carolina last Tuesday, I went into that game on Saturday against Kentucky just with the mindset that we were playing with house money. Like, we didn't have to have that game. It was a luxury. It would have been a great quad one victory for us. That's kind of when that absolutely could put you in the tournament come March. But I had no expectations of us winning that game because I knew that Kentucky was just going to outclass us from a talent standpoint, which they did. We hung with them for a few minutes to open the game, and then the floodgates opened, and They just went wild, man. They were just shooting lights out. And here's what happened, guys. Anyone can be anybody in college basketball on any given night. It happens, right? The margins are smaller than it is in college football because you're not having to deal with 11 opponents out there. It's five, and it's not as a physical game. All those reasons. So anything can happen. Hell, we just saw last week in West Virginia beat Kansas. And West Virginia has been terrible this year. While I think Kansas is overrated this year, I don't think they're a top three team in the country. They're definitely not going to win a national title, in my opinion. West Virginia it was like 7-11, something like that, going into that game. And they, they somehow beat Kansas, right? So anyone can be anyone on any, any given day. But when we are playing a team like Kentucky that is just so much more talented than us, especially at their place, Rupp Arena, we're going to need some help. And that's kind of what I said last week, right? It's like, yeah, we can win this game, but that's going to take like an A effort from us and Kentucky to play like a C, B minus level game. I don't want to say that we brought our A game. Defensively, I do not believe that we brought our A game. 
Offensively, though, we played about as well as we could. I mean, we shot 50% from the field. We scored 96 points, guys. That is a season high. 96 points on the road against Kentucky. You would think if you scored 96 points in a conference game in regulation, you should win that game at least nine times out of 10, right? Well, this just happened to be that one time. We might have played well offensively, but Kentucky played better. And when you're playing a team that's more talented than you and they are playing at their A game level, especially offensively, you get their best shot, their best game, we're not going to beat them. We were not going to have a chance when Kentucky plays that well against us. And that's what happened. Like we just kind of ran to a buzzsaw on Saturday night in Lexington. In a lot of ways, I kind of equate what we saw last Saturday against Kentucky to Georgia football. And hear me out on this. So you guys hear me say this all year long when we're doing our game preview episodes. I essentially pick us to win every game because right now we should win every game in the regular season. I mean, really, we should win much about every game, maybe with a few exceptions here and there, playing the Alabamas of the world, something like that, right? But we should win every single game because we are the more talented team every time that we take the field. For us to lose a game, it requires us to play below our standard, as Kirby likes to always say, right? But not only that, we have to play below our standard, but our opponent has to play out of, out of their minds, right? They have to play about as well as they possibly can. And even that, there are teams like Vanderbilt, like we could play like a, a D-level game, they could play an A-level game, and it might be a closer game than it should be, but they're still not going to be able to beat us because the talent gap is just so wide. But when you play a team like, I don't know, let's say Missouri, for instance, this year, right? If we played Missouri, which we did, and we played like a C-level game and they played an A game, they were good enough at the key positions to be able to beat us. But they had no business beating us from a talent standpoint because we just outclassed them. And that's kind of how I look at Georgia, Kentucky, and basketball this year, like Saturday night. Yeah, we could beat Kentucky, but it would require Kentucky to play well below their standard and us to play out of our minds. We kind of played out of our minds, especially offensively. Defensively, not as much, but Kentucky brought their A game. And they play extraordinarily well offensively, and that's how they're going to beat teams. They just outscore you. And when they play like that, we had no chance. Just like when we play our A game, it doesn't matter who we're playing. They don't have a chance. Missouri doesn't have a chance. Ole Miss, like we played our A game against Ole Miss. We played our A game against Kentucky this year. We dropped 50 on both those teams. It didn't matter what they did. They weren't going to beat us when we played that well. And that's what we ran into in Rep Arena last Saturday. Now, I will say this. I am still very annoyed about the fact that, I'm going to call him Z, Big Z. You know, if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. They talked about him for uh, just about the entire broadcast. Avicic, I think this is how you pronounce his last name. The the Croatian dude, Big Z is what we'll call him, right? Well, you know the story by now because if you watch the game, how could you not? Because that's all they talked about. But Z, as we're going to call him, was clear to play in that game 30 minutes before tip-off. Our coaches had no idea. Our coaches had no idea. So how do you game plan for a guy like that when, first off, you've never seen him play in college. He's played overseas, but you certainly have not scouted him because he hasn't played all year. They've been trying to get him clear by the NCAA. The NCAA's kind of been dragging their feet. And then they clear him 30 minutes before tip-off. Our coaches don't even know about it. The guy comes in, drops 12 points. We end up losing the game by nine points. If he doesn't play, do we win? Math seems to check out. I know it's not exactly how things work out, but yeah, math would check out there. Very frustrated by that. I know that it's probably not fair. Like if, 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 he sh- if he should have been cleared, he should have been cleared before the season. They should not wait until the middle of the season. But also on our end, NCAA, if you're going to clear the guy, clear him for the next game. Don't clear him for the game that's 30 minutes from now because that puts their opponent, us, at a disadvantage. That is unfair to us. That should not have happened. Give whoever's, they're, whoever they're going to play next, South Carolina on Tuesday, let them know ahead of time. You, they would get three days to prep and put that into their game plan. We did not get that luxury. The guy drops 12 points. The crowd goes wild, gets the crowd bananas. And then we end up losing by nine. And you're looking back, scratching your head saying, huh, I wonder what would happen if he didn't play. He drops 12, we lose by nine. Again, math seems to check out there. Probably would have won. And of course, I know you can't necessarily say that because who else, somebody else might have scored the ball in their hands. You don't know how it would have played out. But again, guy made an impact. And we had no clue the guy was going to play. That's ridiculous. NCAA strikes again. But again, ultimately, at the end of the day, they just played too well. Guys, they shot 62% from the field. They shot 56% from three. And it's not like they took three or four shots. They were jacking them up, and they hit 56% of them. They were 14 of 25. At one point, I'm convinced they were like 100%. 
and somehow they ended up 14 and 25. They were like well over 60% for most of the game. And then late in the game, yeah, I, I don't know. I want to say that they just quit. They didn't quit. They were playing their starters. You know, they were playing their guys. I will give our guys credit. Like we were getting blown out. Now we we hung with them for a few minutes to open the game, but they quickly ran away with it and going into halftime and it was out of control. We were down by 30 at time. It was just wild. But they, hey, give our guys credit. So one, one of the reasons why I love this team. They don't quit. They are fighters. They are dogs out there. And they didn't quit. They could have put their head between their legs and just licked their wounds and gone back to Athens and, and lived to fight another day against LSU on Wednesday. But they fought. They fought. Now, we weren't going to win that game, but we closed it to within nine points, 105-96. So I, I appreciate the effort from the guys. Again, we played well offensively. We shot 50% from the field, which was the that's the only time that we have shot over 50% from the field against a high major. So like a, a power five team, but we don't use that terminology in college basketball, we call them high majors. That's the only time. So we played as well as we have played all season against Kentucky in Rupp Arena. Now their defense is not good right now because they have a lot of young guys who don't exactly know what they're doing that end of the court. They can score. They can definitely score, but defensively can be a problem. If you watch them that South Carolina game on Tuesday, Carolina was basically getting whatever shot they wanted whenever they wanted it. And what Kentucky's going to run into is when they're having off nights. Now it's hard for them to have an off night because they have so many guys that can score, but when they have this kind of perfect storm scenario where pretty much all their guys are having an off nights on the same night, and when they're on the road, that can tend to happen it's going to be tougher than to win games because they don't stop anybody. They're going to have to outscore people. So when their offense is not there for them, which doesn't happen often, it's very rare, but when it's not there for them, they're going to have difficulty winning games because they simply do not get enough stops. But as we all know, last Saturday, that was not a problem because they just were scoring at will, dropped 105 in regulation in a 40-minute college basketball game. And you know what? Of course, I would have loved to have won. We wanted that win. That would have been a huge quad one victory for us, a resume-defining win, sure, but also at the same time, there is no shame in that loss. What we could not allow happen is we could not allow that loss to linger and allow Kentucky to beat us twice, which we didn't. Thank God. We almost did. You know, we got close last night. Got a little iffy there late in the game. But ultimately, we were able to come out with that victory. And we will recap that victory over LSU when we get back from our first break. But quickly, I do want to remind you about our great friends at my bookie. We're a couple of weeks in the conference play now, guys, so you've had a chance to see a lot of these teams, which means you know who's good, who's not good, and you know who to bet on. And to bet on those teams, there's no better place to make that happen than MyBookie. And to get started today, it's very simple. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code that we've had going back to college football season, UGA, and they will give you a 50% bonus on your first deposit. It's tough to beat that, guys. So whatever you deposit, let's say it's 100 bucks, right? Then you get an extra 50 to play with. So you can add to your bankroll. So get in on it today while you can, guys. So many options to bet on. You can do some parlays like I like to. I like to do a couple of little parlays with college basketball. That's worked well for me in college football as well. You know, I'm Mr. Parlay. That's my thing. You can lay down some futures on who you think is going to win the conferences, who you think is going to win the NCAA tournament. Go ahead and get the odds that you like right now. If you've seen that one team, you guys have been watching. If you've seen that one team, like, oh yeah, that's my team. I'm going to ride them. They're going to win the title. If you're convinced, go ahead and lay a future on them right now. Get the best odds that you can. But again, the place to do that at is MyBookie. Just go to MyBookie.ag, promo code UGA, get that 50% bonus so you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. Cybersecurity declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys. 
Woo! LSU. That was a tight one. It was a close one. It was tight most of the game. We kind of pulled away a little bit late in the second half, but then we gave it right back. We ultimately end up pulling out a heart-stopping 68-66 victory over the Bengal Tigers. And man, we struggled offensively early. Really, we struggled most of the game. There were a few runs that we made. There's a little bit of run in the first half, late in the first half, a little bit of run late in the second half. But outside that, it was it was struggle city for us offensively. And that was somewhat surprising considering what we did against Kentucky a few days earlier where we shot a season high 50% from the field, dropped a season high 96 points against a really good Kentucky basketball team. So you're hoping, okay, maybe this offense has gotten rolling a little bit because we've been a defensive-driven team. Our offense has been good enough, better than it has been last year, better than it was last year, but we've been largely a defensive-driven team. That's kind of been our calling card. And I've always felt like if the offense can start to turn around, not that it was bad, but if it can kind of take that next step and we can find some more consistent offensive rhythm, Woo, we might really have something. So after that Kentucky game, even though we lost, I took a little bit of heart for that. There's no moral victories, but I was heartened somewhat by the fact that number one, we fought back, and number two, we played really well offensively. So maybe that could lead into the future. Well, whew, maybe not so much last night. Offensively, it was a it was a big struggle early. So we only had one bucket through the first five minutes of the game. Two points. Two points through the first five minutes of the game. We had four points. At the 12.26 mark, we had seven points at the under 12 media timeout. Now, we did go on a little bit of a run after that. We got to 35-33 at the half, and then we pushed it to a nine-point lead with five minutes and 40 seconds left to go in the game. But largely, we struggled offensively. Jabri Abdur-Rahim, who was lights out, dropped, what, 34 against Kentucky? was 7-14 from three-point land? Well, he was one of eight from three. He did not have his A game. He's been so good for us. And he might have an NBA future if he can shoot the ball as consistently as he has most this year. But it was not his game last night in the Steg. Justin Hill's offensive struggles continued a little bit. It wasn't a bad game for Justin, but he started so strong in SEC play. and He's kind of fallen back a little bit from that. And look, I want to give LSU some credit here. They played really good defensively. Now, here's what LSU does defensively. They beat you up. All right, They are a physical defense. And they're going to beat you up. That's what they're trying to do. And they're basically daring the refs to call the fouls. And what LSU runs into, it depends on who they got calling the game that night. If they're playing a game where the refs are calling everything, they got a quick whistle, LSU's going to, they're going to have a tough time. Here they're gonna put, I mean, the, their opponent's going to be in the bonus with like five minutes into the game because they just foul the holy hell out of you. But they're daring the refs to call it. And last night, the refs are swallowing the whistles, man. Until late in the game. Late in the game, they start calling stuff, which drives me crazy. If you're going to call it one way, most of the game, call it that way the entire game. Just a little consistency goes a long way, but that's just not how referees work. We know this. But they were essentially allowed to get away with murder. And, and look, we were being physical, too. I'm not saying that we weren't getting away with some, some physical def- defense, too. But that's what LSU does. They're just physical. They want to push you around. They get their hands on you, body you, all those things. And largely last night, the refs were just swallowing their whistles, and they were letting them play, as they say. So that was certainly part of it, but we were also missing, I mean, God, it felt like, what, we missed about a dozen point-blank shots at the rim, especially early in the game, and it's like, dear golly, what is happening? In my seats last night, I know this, This I promise you, this is not a humble brag. This is not a humble brag. I was fortunate enough to have good seats last night. I was on row three right there under the basket on the LSU end of the court, which is where we are shooting into in the first half. And so I'm sitting there just seeing us like right there in my face, just miss these point blank layups. And I swear, I'm like, God, I swear to God, give me the ball. I can make that shot. I can make that shot. And I'm a five foot 11 ball man. Okay. I can make that shot. So yeah, I was uh, losing my mind a little bit early in the game because it's like, okay, I know it's early, but you can't blow these shots. You can't let a team like LSU hang around. Let's go ahead jump out early, step on their throat, and let's call it a day, get the dub, head to Gainesville on Saturday, and let's try to get another quad one victory. But no, that's not how that played out. We were making it very hard on ourselves. But yes, we did end up winning the game, which makes it all okay. It's fine. That's not what we've been doing all season. Hopefully it doesn't carry over to the next game, which I don't think that it will, because again, it hasn't been a consistent kind of thing. But this game got very dicey late. Now, we extended our lead up to eight with 3.43 to play, all right? So we looks like, okay, we're with the under four media timeout, we're up by eight, we're at home, crowd's into it, we've got this, right? We've got this. Well, maybe not so much. LSU, to their credit, they didn't quit, man. They kept fighting, and I don't want to say we played poorly defensively. I think we made some poor decisions at times, but they made a furious comeback, and they actually take the lead on an and-one play with 16 seconds to play. Now, I want to go back to the possession before that, our possession right before that. 
So we are, we get the ball. We're up by two with 43 seconds left, right? We get a stop. We get the ball up by two, 43 seconds left. Mike White calls a timeout. I was screaming for him to call a timeout. I'm glad he called a timeout. Some coaches let him play. He called a timeout, and he wanted to get a, a play call in there and get a good look at the basket to put us up by two possessions with, well, about 30 seconds left to play. I love it. That's what you got to do there. And coming out of that timeout, which Mike White has been great all season, coming out of timeouts, is out of bounds underneath stuff, been really, really good there. And it was another great call by Mike to get Justin Hill going downhill to his right. He is a dominant right-hand player. I believe Justin Hill can get past anyone in this league. He essentially gets into the paint almost at will. He's got an extraordinarily quick first step. He's a powerful driver, but he's not the biggest guy in the world. So sometimes he has trouble finishing over length. And he can make some crazy wild shots. He can make those. But sometimes he throws up crazy wild shots and it's like not even close. You're like, what are you doing? He had that happen multiple times to him in this game. But it was a great call by Mike White. I love that because you're getting as good of a look at the basket as you're going to get. And it wasn't even like a wild shot. It was an easy layup that Justin just missed. He just missed. So LSU gets the rebound. They bring it down the court. I think it was Trey Hannibal. Gets the and one. And now they go up by one with 16 seconds left. Now I'm like, oh my God, we're going to blow this game. We are going to blow this game. Not so fast because Big Russ, Chewy himself, Russell Chiwa came up huge in the biggest moment of the game. So what we do is we get Jabri a really good look from the top of the key from three. He misses it. He wasn't on last night. It wasn't his night. He was one of eight. Again, not great for him. That's all right. He's been awesome for us all year. He still played really good defense, played hard, rebounded well, did a lot of really good things for us. But he misses the shot. But Big Russ is there. He devours the rebound, goes right back up, bullies his way back to the rim, knocks the shot down, and gets fouled, converts the three-point play, gives us a 2.6866 lead with just a what, 2.3 seconds left, I want to say. So LSU's got to throw a baseball pass, which they do. And oh my God, what what an incredible pass. What an incredible pass. They get the ball in the corner. Guy somehow stays in bounds, gets up the shot, and that thing, oh my God, I, I thought it was it, man. It goes around the rim a couple times, and thank God, rimmed out. And we get the rebound, preserve the 68-66 win over LSU to get to 14-5 and five overall and 4-2 and two in the conference. Huge win, guys. Huge win. And I'm not telling you that LSU is a great basketball team. They're not. They're not great. They're okay. They're fine. They're better than they were last year. But that's a big win for us, a win we need. Like we, I, I hate to say we had to have that game because there are 18 conference games and you don't know what's going to happen. Like even if we had lost that game, who knows? Maybe we can beat Auburn. Maybe we beat Florida twice. You know, I may, Maybe we beat Alabama. I don't know what's going to happen down the stretch. So it's hard to say now, like when that would be your sixth conference game, you got 18 of these things, third of the way through conference play, that it was a must-win kind of game. But in some ways, I kind of look Look at it that way because we have to win games like that. We have to hold serve at home, but more importantly, we have to hold serve, serve at home, especially against teams like LSU, where we are either as talented or more talented than, than them. If we lose to a team like Tennessee at home, like obviously it'd be a great, it would have been a great win for us, quad one win, again, resume-defining type win for us, but there's no shame in losing that game. You don't count on winning those games. You count on winning games like this at home. So when you start losing games like that, in addition to dropping games like at Kentucky, at Tennessee, which you kind of expect to come into the season, well, that's what keeps you out of the tournament. You got, I don't want to say it would have been a bad loss, but you got to start racking up wins in conference play. And LSU is a very was a very beatable team for us, a very winnable game at home. If you blow that game, especially when you have an eight-point lead at the under-four media timeout, I mean, come on. You can't be doing that kind of thing. So that is why I think that was a really big win, and we needed to win that game, especially considering we have to go to Florida, on Saturday, and we're coming back home next Wednesday to play Alabama, who is a really good basketball team. I know the record, if you just if you just look at the record, you might say, Tyler, what are you talking about? They're not good. Yeah, they are, guys. They're, they're, that's a really good basketball team. They played a hellaciously strong non-conference slate. They almost won a couple of those games, but they didn't win any of them. They lost five of them, but they were right there in most of those games. I mean, they're playing teams like Arizona on the road, Creighton. They, they didn't win them, but they were right there. It's a really good basketball team. So getting that win at home would be really big for us. That's a tough team, a very tough team. So when you have those two games staring you down next up, you need to win this basketball game. And thank God we did. We did. That was a big win. We needed that one. But I want to go back to Big Russ here for a second. I want to give this guy some props. So he gets the rebound, the putback, and the and one to give us a two-point lead there that we ultimately ended up holding. Great. And Russ ends up 
with 11-11. He put up a double-double. But I got to be perfectly honest with you guys. Prior to that last stretch of the game, I don't want to say I was dog-cussing the guy, but I was frustrated with the guy. He was driving me crazy. He drives me crazy sometimes. Like He's one of these guys that, you know, like against Missouri, we don't beat Missouri without Russ dropping 18-11 in that game. He was huge for us. We don't win that game last night without Russ. But he was also a liability for us on the road against South Carolina a week ago. He comes and he goes. The inconsistencies are what drives me crazy. And there's certain things about his game that drive me crazy. He's a huge guy. He gives a size in the interior that we have not had in a while. Seven foot, 270 pounds. Big dude, right? Wide body. But the man can't jump. He cannot jump. I'm, I'm convinced he doesn't ever actually get off the ground. Does he? Because there's not much air there, right? The man cannot jump. And it's weird because he, he has good feet. Like he has good feet even out there on the perimeter, but he's not a great athlete. It's one of these weird things. You would think if he has the feet that he has, he could jump a little bit, but he can't. Uh, he can't leap, man. It, it's wild, which is why at seven feet, he's not really a rim protector. I'm not saying he can't block a shot, but he's not a rim protector in the classic sense of that term. And rebounding comes and goes for him. So what, he had two rebounds against South Carolina, I want to say, but 11 big ones in this game. Russ does really well. Like when the ball is in his vicinity, he's big, he's strong, he can bully people, right? He's got a big body. He pulls down those rebounds. But if he has to move it all to get them, it's like, it's just, it, it doesn't really happen very well because he's not a great athlete, which is why sometimes I would like to see Frank Anselm get a few more minutes in there or, or Jalen Deloach, one of the two there, because those guys are, they're not as big. And they can get pushed around maybe a little bit more at the five, but they're more athletic. So the ball doesn't have to fall basically right in their face for them to get a rebound. But again, Russ, got to give this guy credit. Down the stretch, he was huge for us. Missed some easy looks early on, like right at the basket. It's like, oh my dear God, what's happening? What's happening? But late, he was massive. And it's like I said last week, he's a great bully. When he can bully people, he's tough to stop. He's got his big wide body. And he did use that. He was bullying late in the game on that last possession, that rebound. He was bullying, got the ball, and he just bullied his way to the basket. That's what Russ does. And it absolutely came up huge for us in this game. Again, we don't win the game without him. So as frustrated as I was by him early in the game, as frustrated as I was by him going back to the South Carolina game a week ago, I got to give the guy some props, man. There's multiple games this season that we simply do not win without him. So props to Big Russ for coming up big in the biggest moment. But overall, guys, this was a really sloppy game for us. Honestly, we just didn't play well. This was not a well-played game by the Georgia Bulldogs. It was not, guys. And we won. That's all that matters at the end of the day. But we did not play well, guys. I mean, we, we turned the ball over 17 times. We only had six assists. Six assists, 17 turnovers. That kind of split? I mean, how many games you win in with those splits? Six assists, 17 turnovers. Not many. Not many. That was the most turnovers that we have committed in a single game all season. Prior to that, the most turnovers we committed was 16. But that was only back in November in our first game of the year against Oregon. You know, first game of the year is going to be sloppy, right? A little rusty. 16 in that game. 17. 17. Season high last night against LSU. And that has not been something that we've been doing all year. There's several reasons why we were a much better team this year and why we were a much better team under Mike White compared to what we were under Tom Crean. One of those biggest reasons is we haven't turned the ball over. Like Tom Cream, we just like we were handing the ball over. He's like, hey guys, you please take the basketball. We're not doing that right now. I mean, you go back to the uh, two games since Tennessee and South Carolina, we had 15 turnovers combined in those two games. We turned the ball over 17 times last night. 17 times. And then the six assists, that was our lowest assist total of the season. So you have a game where we had the fewest assists that we've had all year long and the most turnovers that we have surrendered all year long and you still win? Miraculous. That's really what that was. So that's happening. Then, as I mentioned earlier, we missed about a dozen, maybe more. All these point-blank looks at the basket. Missed all those. We gave up 13 offensive rebounds, which has been, that has been an issue for us all year. It might be the issue. We're not the worst in the country. We're about middle-ish in the, in the pack. We're 154th nationally in opponents' offensive rebounding percentage. Opponents are picking up 26% of their offensive rebound opportunities against those guys. So essentially, one out of every four times that they, our opponent misses a shot, they get the rebound. That is not going to cut it. We have got to get better at that. And we also allowed LSU to go wild from three. The only reason they were in that game was because they were shooting lights out from three, just like Kentucky was. So remember, we let Kentucky shoot 56%, which I wasn't all that concerned about because I know how talented, how good Kentucky is. And we've we've defended the three-point shot really well all season. But this is two games in a row. Kentucky shot 56%. LSU, who's an okay three-point shooting team, but they shot 43.5% from three. I mean, that, that's not good enough. You're, you're not going to win games doing that. Like Somehow we won this game, but two of our three worst 
defensive performances against the three have come these last two games. The other one, Alabama A&M, we gave up 45% from the three-point line in that game. But two of our three worst three-point defending games have come the last two games. That cannot continue. That has got to be, get cleaned up immediately. And, and hopefully it will. It should because, again, that's not really been a problem for us all year. We've actually done a really good job of running teams off the three-point line. So as you can see, what I'm telling you here, my point is it was not pretty. And we definitely did not play well. But let me ask you this. When was the last time a Georgia basketball team could play that poorly and still win a game? Any game, let alone a conference game. When's the last Georgia team you can say that about? I can't remember, guys. I mean, maybe 2014, 2015, Mark Fox, maybe, kind of. I mean, I don't even know about that. It has been a minute so yes, we played very poorly, but I'm kind of heartened by the fact that we still won it. I don't like the fact that we played poorly. I do not want to see that type of performance again, but another reason why I love this team. They just find a way, guys. They don't quit. They fight. They scratch. They claw. They're gritty. They find a way. They make it happen, and I, you can't say that about previous Georgia teams, at least not in the past four, five, six, seven years. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, so that's why, even though it was sloppy, even though it was ugly, even though we didn't play well... I think it was a really great win for this team. We had to win it. I think we needed to win this game, as I laid out earlier. But when you don't have your A game, when you don't have your fastball, but you still find a way to win, you know you're onto something. You know you're moving in the right direction, which is clearly the case with this Georgia basketball team. And getting that win doesn't put us in the NCAA tournament, but it certainly keeps those hopes alive. And I will, at the very end of the show, I'm going to kind of update you guys on where we stand in the NCAA tournament picture. Like, are we in? Are we out? Like, first four in, first four out. What are our chances? We'll get to that, but winning this game keeps us in line to potentially earn a bid. Now, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to get some more big wins, some quad one wins, but winning a game like this certainly keeps you in a, at least in the conversation. All right, a couple more things real quick coming out of this game before I move on to the Florida game, previewing that game. Silas Dimery. Love this kid. He's awesome. Love this guy. And he does a great job of his body. He's a big body getting to the rim. He did a good job. I wish he would try to get to the rim a little bit more consistently because he's got a big body and he can finish at the rim. Love it. I want to see him do that more. But I want to I want to give him a shout out for his defensive play. This guy has been so good for us defensively. And as a freshman, there's as I said earlier, there's a lot of reasons why we're better this year and we're even in the conversation to maybe possibly, who knows, let's see, kind of maybe sort of make a a trip to the NCAA tournament. One of the one of those reasons is we're better defensively, yes, but specifically Silas Dimery at point guard has given us such an upgrade defensively. It's not even funny. No offense to Terry Roberts, but Terry was small, right? Terry small, thin, getting pushed around like he was a defensive sieve. Silas, physical guy, plays def- defense hard. He rebounds hard. He affects shots. He blocks shots. He gets steals. He pressures the ball. He moves his feet. All of those things, he does it really well. Yeah, he can score too. Now, he's not an elite score yet. I think maybe he can get there. But I think the greatest thing he does for us right now is the way he plays defense, the way he rebounds from that point guard position. I love the guy. And for a freshman to be able to play that way and his strength to be defense, defense and rebounding like that, I mean, that's rare. That's rare. I mean, the scoring is going to come. I mean, he's already shown he can score, and that's just going to get better and better as, as the years go on. So I just want to give Silas a shout out there. I don't I don't hear many people talk that much about his defense, and I think his defense, I don't want to say it's been elite, but he's playing at a really high level defensively. We also need to get Noah Thomason going, okay? Noah Thomason, I think, is the best pure scorer on this team, and he showed that through the first three games in conference play. He averaged 15 points per game through the first three. But over the last three games, he's only averaging 8.3 points. He's almost cutting his scoring in half over the last three games. One of the things that he does that frustrates me at times, I think he goes ISO a little too much. He plays a little too much hero ball at times, a little too much for my liking at least. Now, he, he is talented. And he's got good handles and great separation like that. He, he's got a good step back shot. I, I get all of that, but I, I don't love that. I would like to see us run some more actions for him. Get him running off curls. Get him going downhill. I think he actually finishes pretty well going downhill. And if you run him off curls, he's got a good mid-range shot. Let's and Some of the things that we do to free up Jabri Abdurrahim, and I get why we're running him to free up Jabri, because that guy is a knockdown shooter. He's shooting over 40% from three right now, one of the best in the SEC. But Noah can hit those shots too, a lot of those shots. He's got deep range as well. So, And I think we need to get him going earlier in games. Like When he gets going early in games and gets engaged, 
he stays engaged and he's really good. When he doesn't get going early, he kind of like fades and doesn't really like hunt his shot. So I would like to see us continue to run stuff for Jabri, absolutely get him free, but also earlier in the game, run some stuff for for Noah, get him open, get him some good looks, get him going in games. So we're going to need this guy. He's our best pure scorer. We're going to need him to score more than eight points a game. All right, we're not going to win at Florida if he's only scoring eight points a game. Very unlikely. We're not going to probably going to beat Alabama if he scores eight points a game. We're not going to beat Auburn if he scores eight points a game. We've got to get this guy going more consistently. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, RJ Melendez. Man, this guy is coming on as a shooter. Now, this guy was shooting, we talked about this last week, what, 17% from three through non-conference play in the early part of the SEC slate. But he kept shooting. And when he continues to have the green light, that tells you that a coach has still have faith in him. They still believe in him as a shooter. And I kept hearing, coming out of practice, this guy's knocking him down. He's knocking him down in practice. He can actually shoot. Trust me, he's just not falling in games right now. But that's changed. He is now five of his last 10 from three over the last four games. Now he's only shooting 22.6% from three, but that's up from 17% from three. So he's raised his percentage a good bit over the last four games, and he's got confidence. You can see he's confident. He's a confident shooter right now, much more than he was early in the season. And I think that could be a game changer for us moving down the rest of the, of the conference schedule. He's he's a good slasher. He's always had those skills. He's long. He's athletic. He can finish at the rim. I mean, he had a, a crazy dunk on, on a break last night. That's unbelievable, man. Just That's what the guy can do. That's what he brings to the table. But if he can add a, a consistent three-point shot to his arsenal, uh-oh, let's go. You might have a player. And you have a player who needs to play more than 20 minutes a game if he's going to shoot like that. So hopefully this is not just an aberration. I mean, we're talking about four games. I mean, guys can get hot and have a little hot streak, but it's hard to call it an aberration when it's you know four games, four straight games. So I hope that this continues. And if it does, again, like that is a huge development for this team. We already have a couple of shooters. And you already got Jabri, one of the best shooters in the SEC. Noah Thomas can knock down shots. Blue King can knock down shots. Silas can knock down an open shot. We got some shooters out there. But you add RJ Melendez, and that just gives us one more shooter out there. It makes us much more difficult to defend when you can have like a stretch four, essentially, in Melendez when they could have basically been able to play off of him all year. So that's a huge, huge development. Last thing on the LSU game, I got to give a shout out to the crowd. All right. And I know this is kind of me patting myself in the back. It's not really just me. All right. But guys, that was a great crowd for a midweek game that tipped off at 630. Now it's a somewhat late arriving crowd. It wasn't like full at tip off, but I'd say halfway through the first half, it was fairly full. The entire lower bowl was completely full. I mean, there weren't any empty seats there. Upper level, for the most part, was full. There were a couple. There were some empty seats, like you know the the section M L or M M L L up there and in those sections. But by the time that game was second half, I mean it was that that place was rocking. The crowd was into it, especially on the stretch. I mean, we we got it out to the eight point lead, the under four timeout, and I think the crowd was a big factor in that game. It was. I mean, I go to a lot of these George basketball games, guys, and like you know midweek games, especially when we weren't good. Not there's nobody there, man. Not a lot of people. You can hear a pin drop. Not the case last night. Students were there. I, I got to give a shout out to the students themselves. Students were there, showed up in force. They were loud. They were doing their job. They were making it happen. So absolutely love to see that. And that needs to be a consistent thing. Like that can't be a one or two game thing. Against Tennessee, rocking. Saturdays are usually rocking, usually pretty full. But the midweek games, those are games where it's kind of like, uh-oh, it's like touch and go, you know, hit or miss. But we hit big last night with that crowd. So Definitely a big showing by the by the Georgia fans, and hopefully we can keep that going. Mike Weiss building something, y'all. He is building something. But all right, guys, we're going to preview the Florida game here in just a minute. But first, I do want to remind you about our great friends at Alumni Hall. I know we all have our preferences. I know some of us like, you know, like me, I love the Johnny O stuff. I like some Nike golf stuff, and Nike has some good stuff here and there. Some people are all about Peter Millar. Some people love the Columbia stuff. Some people are into Cutter and Buck stuff. But it doesn't matter what your preference is, who you like, what brands you don't like, what fits you. They have it all, guys. They've got it all. Every brand you could possibly want, all the styles you want, whatever you're in the market for, Alumni Hall has got you guys. They've got you covered. So when you are ready to pick up the next best Georgia gear, make sure you do it at Alumni Hall. they got the best prices, the best selection, the best customer service, the best of everything. Because Alumni Hall is a Georgia fan's paradise, guys. It really is. So make sure to stop in today here inside the Epsom Shopping Center in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, so we have recapped the week that was. Now let's spend a few minutes previewing Saturday's trip to Florida to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators. This is a talented team, guys. I would say, I believe... 
that Florida is more talented than we are. Not by much, but I would give Florida a slight talent edge over us right now. But saying that, I think we might be the better team. I think we play more connected. I think we have a stronger identity and a feeling for who we are. I think our roles are better defined. I think we're better defensively. I think we play harder. I think we have a better coach. But I don't want to sell Florida short. I do think they're a talented team. It's on the road. It's a rivalry game. It's going to be a tough game. And it's a Saturday. Saturday games, just like in Athens, wherever you play in the SEC on Saturday, it's going to be typically a full house. It's going to be a raucous crowd, especially when it's a rivalry game like this. And we're actually pretty good this year. Florida's kind of on the bubble-ish. This is a game they need to win. They can't beat us in football, so they hope they can beat us in basketball and things like that. So they're going to be loud. They're going to be going at it, of course. But this is a game that we can win. Now, this Florida team has a couple players that I think can go off on any given night. Their top scorer, and I, I guess I would call him their best player, is a transfer. This guy is a guy by the name of Walter Clayton Jr. He transferred in for Iona, played under Rick Pitino last year, and he's averaging a little bit under 16 points a game for him right now, 15.8 points per game. He's a good shooter from three, not a knockdown shooter from three. Uh, got good range, though. He's a 34% shooter from three. Can get to the rim. He's 6'2", 195. He's, he's a good shooting guard. I don't call him dynamic. He's not, but he is their best scorer. Now, the guy that I, when I watch Florida play, that sometimes I come away from thinking like, this is their best player, is a guy named Zion Pullen, another transfer. He's a a fifth-year guy. They got him from Cal Riverside, but he is averaging 14.6 points per game. Um, He's also shooting almost 37%, 36.6% from three. He is their starting point guard, and he's taking minutes away from a guy that I thought would probably be their best player coming into the year based off how he ended last season, a guy named Riley Kugel, who was a big recruit for them. He was a freshman last year for them and, and did some really good things down the stretch. And he's playing about 20, 25 minutes a game off the bench now. He opened the season as a starter, but Poland's been playing so well, he's kind of taking over that, that guard spot. So those are their top two guards, their top two scorers on the team. Again, Kugel's still a good player off the bench. He can go off on any given night, and that's what makes Florida tough. That's why I say they're talented. Those guys aren't always playing at a high level, but they have multiple guys on any given night, any given day, they can be the guy that goes off. It can be Pullen. It can be Clayton Jr. It it can be Kugel. It could be Tyree Samuel, perhaps. And this is a guy that they got in transferred from the Big East last year. They also have a couple of big guys that I think are talented players, but it's weird. When you watch them play, like, oh, that guy is really talented. But they, they just disappear at times, and they don't really assert themselves as much as I think they probably should. They're young, so maybe that has something to do with it. But the first guy, is he's, he's an American. He's from North Carolina. His name is Michael Handelgott. He's only averaging six and a half points a game, seven and a half rebounds. But the guy can shoot the three. He doesn't shoot a lot, but he's right now when he shoots the ball from three, he's knocking down 57% of his three-point shot. So he's a seven-footer, can knock, the, can knock it down from three, can stretch you out a little bit there. And then off the bench, they got this guy from Australia, this Aussie dude named Alex Condon. He's also essentially a seven-footer. I think he's 6'11", but he's basically a seven-footer. He's averaging about eight points a game off the bench, seven rebounds. And he also can shoot the three. Now, he doesn't shoot the three as well, but he'll take that shot. He's shooting 26%, doesn't hit a high percentage, but he can hit an open shot if you leave the guy open. So you have to be aware of that at all times. So I think this is a talented team, but they just haven't put it together. They're in some ways similar to Alabama. They're not as good as Alabama. I don't think they're as talented as Alabama. But a lot like Alabama, they had some opportunities in the non-con to get some big wins, and they just didn't get them. They did beat Michigan in overtime, and Michigan's terrible. They're, that's a terrible team. They're not an NCAA tournament team this year. They beat Florida State. Florida State's actually kind of, we're going to talk about them in a minute. They're coming on, but they were terrible early in the year. So they beat the Knowles at home, but they lost to Baylor. They lost to Wake Forest. They lost to Virginia at home, and you think, oh, Virginia's a good program. Yeah, it's a good program. They're not very good this year, though. So they just didn't have a, a stellar non-conference slate. It's not that they face-planted, but it, it just wasn't great. And it's kind of been the same thing in conference play. They just haven't put together. Defensively, they come and go. Todd Golden is fine. He's like an 11-year-old kid out there. Like If you haven't watched him play, when you watch him play on Saturday, I mean, tell me you don't think Todd Golden's 11 years old. I mean, that dude should be popping zits and playing Pokemon. But hey, he's supposed to be some kind of like coaching genius, mastermind, whatever. He hadn't got it done at Florida right now. I'm firmly convinced we're the better coach. Florida fans, I think they're kind of slowly coming around to that reality. So I think this is a game that we can win. I think this is a game that we can win. It's tough, guys. On the road, especially on a weekend, it's tough to win road conference games. It's very, very difficult. And again, they are talented, arguably. I don't think it's much of a gap, but arguably maybe slightly more talented than we are. But this is the kind of road game that we can get. We can get this game. I told you guys going to Kentucky last week, yeah, don't expect to win that game. I'm not going to tell you that this week. It, it's going to be tough. Road wins are hard to come by, 
but this is a road win that we can get. And if we get this one, that's quad one win number two. This is this is a top 60 net team right now. I think actually the top 50 net team right now. So that would be a quad one win. A quad one win would be a top 30 win at home, a top 75 win on the road, and a top 50 win on a neutral site. This would be a top 75 road win, which makes it a quad one victory for us. Those are the kinds of wins we need to get into the NCAA tournament. Yes, we need to beat the teams that we should beat, but we also need to somewhere, somehow, get these quad one wins. This is a prime quad one win opportunity. Now we're going to have to clean up up the turnovers. We cannot turn the ball over like we did. We're going to have to shoot better than we did against LSU, and we're going to have to rebound the basketball. They they rebound pretty well. they got some big guys, and we are going to have to be physical. We're going to have to hit the boards, but I do think that we can have some success getting to the rim. Okay, here's why I would say that. I don't think their guards are great defenders. Clayton is not a great defender. He really doesn't have much interest at all. Pullen's a little bit of a better defender, but he's not a big guy. I don't think he's a great defender either. So I think Justin Hill, I think Demery, even Noah Thomason can have a lot of success getting to the rim on these guys. And I want to see that. Finish, and we got to finish around the rim when we get there, but I think that we can have some success doing that in this game. And even if we're not finishing, just getting into the paint, drawing defenders, drive and dish, dish the ball to our three-point shooters, to Jabri, to Noah Thomas, and now to RJ Melendez, apparently Blue Kane, and knock those shots down. That's the key to victory. I think that's got to be the game plan. So I'm not going to tell you we're going to win this game. It's going to be tough. It's a road game in the SEC, but this is a game that we are fully capable of winning. And God, I want this this win. Yes, it's Florida. I always want to beat Florida. But I want it for Mike, man. I want it for Coach White, baby. I mean, y- y'all know, like, he left Florida. Not He wasn't forced out. But he w- was never fully appreciated there. And it's it's kind of the situation that Caitlin DeBoer found himself in in Alabama, right? Mike White had a lot of success at Florida, you know, by by most standards. he made He's made an Elite Eight. He was one win away from making a Final Four. But when you follow Billy Donovan, who won two national titles, who's the legend at Florida, when you follow the legendary Billy Donovan, and you don't have that level of success, the fans start to grumble. They get impatient because that's what they expect. That's what they've known most recently. And so while they won at Florida under Mike White, while they made multiple NCAA tournaments and won a game every time they got into the NCAA tournament, made an Elite Eight, it wasn't good enough for the Florida fans because it wasn't Billy Donovan. It was good enough for him to keep his job because the athletic administration knows, okay, like Billy Donovan's don't grow on trees. Those are one percenters. There I go again with the one percenter thing. But the fans didn't see it that way. That didn't stop the fans from grumbling. So he heard that and he kind of knew that with the fans kind of being happy with him because he just wasn't Billy Donovan, that if he ever did have a season where it didn't really go well, that his job might be on the line. So he got out ahead of that and said, screw this, man. I want to go somewhere I'm appreciated. I'm going to go to Georgia. It's an SEC program. It's a sleeping giant. Got a lot of talent in the state of Georgia, a great fan base. They don't have the expectations that Florida has because we haven't been good in a while. They'll appreciate me. And you better damn believe it. I do appreciate my man, Mike White. So I want this win for him on the road in Florida. Stick it to the Florida fans who never appreciate this guy. All right, guys, let's wrap things up with our NCAA tournament update. We are not there yet. We are not in the tournament yet. We've got to rack up more quad one victories. Right now, our net rating is 78. So we're sitting there. It's a solid net rating. So the net, guys, it's NCAA evaluation tool, and this is kind of what's replaced RPI. Now, the the committee, it's kind of like the, the college football playoff committee. They look at whatever they want. They say the net is their, is their evaluation tool, but they basically just use whatever evaluation tool they want and whatever number, whatever metric they want to justify getting putting the teams in they think should be in, which is, you know, what the cultural playoff committee does, right? So it's not the be-all end-all, but it is supposedly what they look at the most. That's their primary metric. So our net rating is 78. Now, to give you some perspective, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the only team to get in with a rating, I think, under 75 was Rutgers. So the lowest rated team, Rutgers, in 2002, was the lowest rated net team to ever get in. They were 77th in the net. So we're right around where Rutgers was. But here's the difference between us and that 2022 Rutgers team. That 2022 Rutgers team was 6-6 six and six in the quad one games. They had six quad one victories. We've got one right now. So it's not apples to apples. I guess maybe we could get in at 78, but we're going to have to rack up about five, six more quad one wins. And that's unlikely. So we need to get our net rating up into like the 50-ish range to have a, a legitimate shot. 
And we're on the way there. Now, we have some quad one opportunities. We're going to have to get those wins. We need this win at Florida. We need to beat Alabama. We need to find a way to beat Auburn. We need to beat Texas A&M. We need to get some of those quad one wins. But right now, we do not have enough of them. But here are some good developments, some very positive developments. South Carolina, that road win over the Gamecocks is our right now our one single quad one victory. We need that to remain a quad one victory. What does that mean? That means South Carolina has to stay, in, stay inside the top 75 in the net. So South Carolina beating Kentucky on Tuesday goes a long way towards keeping the Gamecocks inside the top 75 and preserving that as a quad one victory for us. So we should have very much all been cheering for South Carolina in that game, and that certainly helped us there. FSU is creeping up, y'all. They were coming into conference play. They were like in the 100 range, but they're 5-2 and two in conference right now, and that has moved them all the way up to 83rd in the net. Why does that matter? Why am I mentioning that? Well, that was one of our non-conference wins, maybe our biggest non-conference win, because it was on the road. So we went to Florida State. We were down double digits most of that game, mounted a furious comeback late. Justin Hill hits the game-winning shot as time expires. We win that game. Huge win, right? Well, it didn't seem like it was that big of a win when they're in the 100s, but now that they're 83rd, they are creeping up towards the top 75. If Florida State gets into the top 75, that then becomes a quad one victory for us. So we need the Knowles to keep winning. They played North Carolina at home on Saturday. We all need to be massive Seminole fans on Saturday. We need them to beat North Carolina. I'm not going to tell you that would definitely get them in the top 75, but it'll put them very close. So basically be rooting for Florida State the rest of the season. We need that to be a quad one win. And then moving up to 83rd in the net, that means it's very possible that could end up being a quad one win. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Florida, this game on the road in Gainesville is a quad one win opportunity. We're going to have about four or five more of those the rest of the regular season. Who knows what happens once we get into the SEC tournament. So we could maybe have about six-ish, seven-ish maybe quad one opportunities. Just depends on how things turn out, who went, who beats who, and how things turn out. But we're going to have some opportunities, but we've got to convert some of those opportunities. It'd be great if we could get to like three or four. If we can get three quad one wins that and we win the games we should win, kind of hold serve, we got a good shot. If we get four, I feel really good. I feel really good. Five, like I think we're in as long as we just don't blow it against terrible teams and get some bad losses on the resume, which we don't have right now. But we're getting closer, guys. We're not there yet. We're not in the tournament yet. But we continue to play well. Beating LSU keeps us in that conversation. Now let's go beat Florida. Let's go get those quad one wins. But all right, guys, that does it for me today here on the Glory UJ podcast. We have some great stuff for you next week. I'm excited about it. I know we had to push back some of our 2023 football season recap stuff because of all the breaking news, all the emergency pods we had to do. But we're going to get to our what we got right, what we got wrong episode, which we do on an annual basis. We'll have that for you guys on Sunday night. We're also going to have our 2023 Georgia Football Award Show. We'll have that for you on Wednesday, and we'll have our Hoops Report next Thursday for you guys as we did this week. So hope you guys enjoy this. I know it's hard to find some Georgia basketball talk out there, so we're trying to do our part. I love college hoops. I know you. I say that a lot. I know you guys know that. I love college hoops, and I appreciate you guys enjoying it with me and tuning in each week. The numbers are way better than they ever have been when it comes to college basketball episodes. When we've talked college basketball in the past, there hasn't been that much interest because like we haven't been that good, but now we're kind of good. And huh, go figure. The interest actually goes up. So as long as you guys keep you keep listening and you, you keep wanting, you keep asking for it, we're going to keep producing the basketball content for you guys. But have a great weekend. Let's knock out the Gators in Gainesville. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.